Smartcast. You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello and welcome to Tell Me How You Did It. I'm Namrata Zakaria and I'm here to bring to you my hand-picked list of some of India's finest brands. Yes, our best homegrown companies that can compete with the world's best and still win the battle hands down. These companies range from food, fashion and film to home, art and design. I'm only too happy to talk to the founders who not only chased their rainbows, they also made India proud. Make sure you tune in at hdsmartcast.com week after week to shake the hands that built our best businesses. Listen to them tell me how they did it. Artisanal fashion where clothing is made by hand is all the rage the world over. Every label is telling us they support handloom fabric or sustainable livelihoods or are saving the planet. Varana may be a late comer to this party but it's definitely changing the game. Its founder Sujata Keshavan wants to dress the world in Indian handmade textiles. It doesn't seem like a tall ask if you see the kind of clothing they make. luxurious contemporary wear trench coats structured dresses wide leg pants and what have you they have found favor with not only indian celebrities but international ones as well and oh did i mention that varana is only 3 years old sujatha welcome to tell me how you did it thank you pleasure to be here today congratulations on the sharon stone leg up First, tell me how did you get her to to wear your dress to Cannes of all places? So it was just one of those nice serendipitous things. I think uh, her stylist had come to the store and chosen a few pieces for her, and uh, she was actually planning to go to Venice, and uh, so she had taken a, you know they had selected a few outfits for her, but then uh, she ended up wearing it at Cannes instead. So. either way it's we are fine <laughs> we are not complaining we, we are, are very quite fine. delighted yes absolutely <laughs> it's lovely to dress somebody like sharon stone and also Fantastic. sonam kapoor she's yes. been spotted wearing your gorgeous dresses um lately is it a collaboration or did she discover you because she does you know promote a lot of indian boutiques in uh, london like shridhar podar who makes um his store is i think called evoke london and he makes these charpoys that um her house has recently been featured in ad and his you know she went out and yes. purchased his charpoys so what's the story with sonam and varana um again you know it's just that uh, so most of these uh, you know when it comes to fashion uh, i think when it comes to home uh, also people tend to use i know she used rushad shroff to design her apartment but there are bits and bobs here and there that you pick up if you like something and uh, when it comes to fashion i think at least the way they discover us is usually through their stylist so if the stylist comes to the store because they're always looking for something you know interesting for their clients and so her stylist had come to the store and uh, i think he was in touch with one of my colleagues at parana whom he knew socially or something like that anyway so he came to the store and he found um some things that he thought she would like and that he thought she would like the brand and what it stood for and so on and the aesthetic of the brand so 
uh, then she came over and spent quite a long time and went over a lot of things and and then we sent them over to for home and you know then they've been using i mean whenever every other day i i've been told that oh you know this skirt she wore this skirt to this gallery or she wore uh, different things and it's great because you know we i really think it's important for people like her to shine a light on these things so that you know it's good because it helps get the word out and it'll help us in the long term so it's good of course it's fantastic yeah sujata what about sujata keshavan part 1 i want to ask you how you made the shift from running you know rain keshavan india's leading design firm um and you had a long and glorious career with them and you know now when you're into your 50s into this lovely uh, new phase i mean to have a whole shift into fashion to get into a new venture um what made you do this it's you know how you've heard the saying fools rush in where angels fear to tread right i think the fact that it was so new it 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 just happened because you know as you said i've been in rain keshavan in, in that kind of work for about 30 years and uh, i set up a, you know one of the first design firms that was like a world class professional lean it was legendary yeah yes. so after and we have been doing so much work and we really uh, i think we opened up that whole field in india because after that quite a lot of people now working in branding and design and things like that and you know when we started it was after we were like there was nobody so we were the first people to introduce all these ideas and there was no instagram no pinterest no internet there was no internet there were no computers yeah and i brought the first mac to india by the way oh my and that God. yes in the mid 80s and nobody knew what what it was it was you know so everything was done by hand before that there were you know type compositing was done by hand and so i actually come from a pre computer era so my entire when i studied design there were no computers then computers came in and then we got digital and then then of course the internet was came in. oh my god what all we've seen but in that whole journey we did a huge amount of work for a very long period of time and i was just thinking it was time to think about what happened next because uh, like my children were not interested in taking over there was no such succession i had to think of some kind of succession and and so i couldn't find the right person to take over you know for a long time i looked for like like in a lawyer's firm how you find a junior partner and they take over but somehow you need a special blend of qualities to do something like like rain keshavan because it's not just about creating the design but it's also understanding the client and the business and relating to everything and so it you know you need to have that as well in order to give the right solution are there common threads between graphic design and uh, fashion i think there are common threads across design for me i think whatever whether it's architecture or product or fashion or textiles or you know there's th- some things get uh, like there's uh, there are sort of you you emphasize a little more on something sometimes so in graphic design is more conceptual and you emphasize a lot on you have to get a concept and communicate it but there's always form and function no matter yeah. what you know yeah. and there's a reason for doing what you're doing and you know so the, the 
process of design is very uh, it's broadly the same you just adapt it for different things something times it's more three dimensional sometimes more two dimensional so if it's a it's a architecture it's the scale is larger but essentially the type of work that you do which is a mixture of you know a little bit of problem solving and aesthetics together and the creative uh, sort of uh, action is is similar so it doesn't matter uh, i mean there are some designers who like to go deep only into one thing and but there's some who don't mind you know doing different things and i, I guess i fall into the second category i'm intrigued by the by the term you use problem solving i mean one doesn't hear of it in in any form of design i mean the idea of art is to uh to please or to to be memorable how does problem solving fit in um so in design it's very important problem solving it, it, so so in fashion i think again everything is a spectrum right so you have fashion that pulls more towards art which is like you know when you have an absolutely spectacular piece and it's like a show stopping piece and it's where uh, you know the designer is very expressive and it's almost like a piece of art like a, he's doing a sculpture or a painting and it it's it's guided by an inner conviction like like yeah. if you were to write poetry or you were yeah. to be an artist or a sculptor and that is different from what i do because i don't push towards pull towards the art spectrum as much as i come from the design spectrum and in design you always have form and function so it's very important for me that in whatever we do whether it's in renkeshwan whether it's in varana or whether it's in a home whatever it is it's it has to be practical and it has to be you know something that is combines form and function and that is just the bedrock of design so the kind of design i do you don't do something that's going to be really uncomfortable and you know you're looking at the woman through her day if if she's going to go to work what does she need so it's not about making that one spectacular piece it's about you know supporting the woman through her day irrespective of what she needs keeping her stylish keeping her contemporary and making her feel good you know giving her high quality all of those things so i don't know if that distinction is clear between art and design well it's ideal that's for sure <laughs> i i personally love barana i love everything it does for indian handlooms by by making it expensive you know a luxury label it's sold in um you know one of the poshest neighborhoods of london i love that it takes the finest indian textiles and i've been i've been following your work now for a year and it marries them with you know um your designers come from italy or with your cashmere they come from japan and it you know sells in london and the rest of the world so the indian handloom is now truly a global product at verada how did you arrive at this idea so for very many years namita i've been thinking about the fact that we have such a lot in india to offer the world you know it's just our, the depth and i've been interested in textiles and in our textile traditions for at least 30 or 40 years i mean always ever since i can remember and definitely ever since i started studying design you know i uh, i was absolutely amazed at you know just look at our sarees and the weaves from village to village there's difference yeah. you know there's just yeah. a whole handloom uh, uh printing dyeing weaving embroidery 
everything is like we have amazing techniques like complex like resist dying and you know many steps where you uh, you print and then you die and then you print and then you die and like ajrak and i mean yeah. clamp die. i mean it's just it's like it's like an ocean it's got so much and north south east west what is so surprising is that i didn't find anything which is where the rest of the world doesn't know anything about this it's all within india it's completely it was contained within india and while people who wear sarees know about it where you know we know about these printing and dyeing and so on all these techniques if we are immersed in it here but even handloom is not at all well understood outside nobody knows anything about it and it's a blank canvas it's, it sort of reminds me the day when i started the first design company in india which was rain keshavan and nobody knew what design was and everyone used to ask me is it advertising you know they didn't even know what it was and similarly now when you take things that are made by no one knows what a hand loom is they've never seen one so we have a loom in the store to show people you know this is how this thing was made and they are amazed and shocked then they said really that's insane that people are making stuff like that and we tell them not only are people making them there are millions of people engaged in that yeah in in our country i mean it's just like millions so it's a it's not a niche activity it's just that it's but it somehow it stayed in this little bubble within mostly within india and it has traveled so we're seeing whether um it is possible to shine a light on these things because uh, you know there's so much knowledge that's going to disappear very soon because people unless enough people you know support these industries and crafts it's it's bound to you know become more and more mechanized as it has in the west yeah the west I, had this our entire rural economy depends on it right exactly. whether it's semi organized yeah. or even disorganized our, right. our our country literally depends on the farmer and yes. the weaver yeah right absolutely and, uh, unfortunately they are the yeah. poorest in in, in really? the spectrum of of things yeah um, you know i remember you telling me from a previous conversation and i i love that went because it especially rang true with me that not everyone wants to wear a sari and that's why you wanted to make clothes for the modern um international woman can you uh, explain that yeah it's so i do hope the sari continues uh, you know and yeah uh, and doesn't die out as it or doesn't become yeah. like a ceremonial dress form like in other you know like in southeast asia and in other countries even in china they don't wear the tradition you know it's the traditional dress is only for certain occasions yeah. in sarees are still worn very widely in the country especially uh, in the south and okay. in bengal and you know and in the villages you see that everybody's in a saree actually still which is great and the sari is a fantastic form of dress because it's as a, from a designer's point of view it's one size fits all yeah and you just it folds so beautifully your cupboard is so neatly stacked and so it's very intelligent and you can be draped in different ways it's it's a phenomenally intelligent garment but yes. uh, i mean if you look at contemporary women today who and their lives they like i feel especially in the cities if you look at an urban contemporary woman who has choices who's working and who's getting onto a bike and going here and there i mean they do you know want to 
wear a dress which is not what their mothers wore and their grandmothers wore because they see their life is changing you know is so they don't see their mother was at home and she was as beautifully dressed in a sari very gracious very lovely but here when when they're going to work all day and then go off and you know meet their friends and whatever they i think they feel that the sari is a bit uh, restricting and it evokes an, a time from their past so they do want to wear more contemporary clothing i think which is i mean not Something i don't know the word contemporary be- but clothing that's which works more with their idea of themselves as you know more feminist women or women whose lives are not in as patriarchal uh, an identity as their mothers and grandmothers it also has to fit in with the routine right a working girls yeah. day is 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 a 12 hour day and it goes through so yeah. many moods and and uh, yeah. actions in a day right. yeah. that a sari may be a little restrictive yes um, take us through so, your processes at verana where do you source your fabric from where is the manufacturing done how does your international team collaborate with your indian offices okay so we have the design team is mainly in india except yeah. for my knitwear designer who's in japan yeah. but the rest of the people are here in india and bangalore in our atelier and we look after here we we source or we weave or we create or we source the fabric from all over the country so it could be from anywhere you know it could be from north south east and west so muslins from bengal then we do printing in rajasthan we do some dyeing and ajrak and other techniques in kutch if needed so we really our footprint for sourcing and creating fabric is everywhere and um, so the garments are all made in our workshop here designed here right here next door it's um so we design and we do the garment making in our workshops here yeah yeah so so that's the that's how we do it it's all made in house here your jamdani line is game changing you know i've told you this before yeah. but this <laughs> bengali weave is is probably the most beautiful fabric in the world it's the queen of you know indian textiles and till now it's been mostly used only in sarees um that you're making modern dresses out of it so tell yeah. us um how you wanted to do this why you arrived at doing this and also it's unesco protected right the jamdani yes. is that right like it's meant to be uh, it has a tag it has it a has tag. a tag it has a tag and it uh, it it's uh, unesco has identified it as a you know as intangible cultural heritage to be preserved and encouraged and wow. supported wow. so it's one of those things that you know because it's so difficult to weave and it's so special yeah. and it's yeah. so fine yeah. that it's uh, it's really it requires so much skill and patience and you know it's amazing what those people can do and i want so i marvel it, at it you know what, every day i marvel at what these people can do even just embroidery in my atelier and we do very uh, fine small things like you know like we do just a small say a uh, piping and that's embroidered with changing uh, say colors and this you can't believe even if i look at it with a magnifying glass i can't believe it's handmade because the stitches are so perfect and so even how are they doing it it's just 
we have amazing skills and every day you marvel at it you know when you see like how our carpets are worn the hand knotted carpets how they are made it's again it's just like mind blowing absolutely yeah. and also so your khadi line your khadi denim is is very popular yes you've also you've also taken some sort of textiles which are thicker that can be made into jackets or yes. something more structured yeah but i want to i want to take you back to your khadi line because i know it's an homage to mahatma gandhi celebrating his 150 years yes uh, so tell me all about that collection so i'm very interested in khadi you know i mean one because it's uh, of course the connection with mahatma gandhi and all of that the freedom movement the story behind it but but in any case you know just the fact that we have in india this extraordinary capability of making fabrics completely by hand without the use of electricity yeah and it's still there so actually what we call khadi is the earliest form of making cloth in the world yeah. like yeah. you know before industrialization before machines yeah. were made yeah. all for centuries people were making hand spun and hand woven thousands of years it thousands goes back to the indus valley yeah. right so it's these things have pretty much died out these ways of making are no longer uh, have any currency uh, in other countries but in india you know one of the interesting things that happened i heard was that because we had such power shortages you know around the time of independence we didn't have enough electricity really in the country and you know there were large parts of the country without uh, electricity in their home how and, so and things have changed <laughs> but because of that one of the very few things because of that the government gave a boost to the handloom sector and therefore and you know said Uh, there were all these subsidies being given to the weavers to continue and all of that because of the shortage of power so as a result a lot of people are still doing it and uh, so khadi uh, i just think it's an amazing fabric and i think that again i think that there's a lot we can do with it which we haven't done as yet it's woven already in very fine beautiful weights but we can do more in terms of uh, making it more robust and Uh, weaving it in different ways and different textures and creating amazing fabric from it and uh, that's what we're trying to do and that's in the making of the fabric itself uh, and also denim. i think denim yeah. is so industrial yeah. factory made and to spin that whole narrative and you should see that khadi denim it is so beautiful it's a denim is a, it's quite a, you know it's got a wonderful um, it's a wonderful fabric you know it's tough and it lasts and and so on in terms of the way it looks which is why it's so popular worldwide but when you do it in khadi uh, it is absolutely it gets that the hand of the weaver which is makes every meter unique or every bit of that is you can't there never be a identical replica of two things it's always because of where the this yarn differs in its in a in a sort of wabi sabi kind of a way so you get this wonderful striations which are there in the khadi denim which is very special and are they uh, rain harvested because denim is a very thirsty fabric it is but uh, the thing with khadi uh, is that it uses short staple cotton you know which okay. is indigenous to india and so now you have a lot of long staple cotton which looks beautiful but it's uh, that requires more water but the short staple cotton which grew in india and has been there for centuries yeah. before yeah. anything before any gm crops came or anything those short staple are varieties which we call desi cotton those are good for hand spinning 
and hand okay. weaving. So, so we're hoping all these things, you know, if we talk about these things, if we show it to people and we, what we, what I really want to do Namrita is to take all this amazing stuff that we have, but elevate it to a level which it, where it can really give you beautiful luxury, yeah. you know, like really true luxury, because what could be more luxurious than something which is just, you know, made by hand, made yeah. when no two things are the same. I mean, people talk about luxury in terms of brand names, but mass-produced luxury isn't really truly luxurious, no? Yeah. Back in the early days when you had like patrons of the weavers in Banaras and they were to weave beautiful brocades, uh, everything was, that was luxury because it was made for either bespoke for somebody yeah. or, and made beautifully by hand. Yeah. Yeah, but that's why companies like Varana are so important and Good Earth, for example, because they take craft and they turn it into a high design, a highly coveted, you know, a a very beautiful and a very uh, expensive product. And I mean that in a good way, because, you know, the top down uh, approach is, is, is very important, even traditionally, you know, crafts, the patrons of the crafts for the royalty, for the wealthy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The reason why crafts tried is because you know uh, it was the rich people who who liked them, and that's how they became expensive products even at yeah. that time. Yeah, it's so, how you keep the mastery of a craft going and yeah. the standards of a craft. There are inexpensive versions of the same craft which uh, won't be as fine and as good, but to keep keep it at that level, at the best level, and these people are capable of amazing levels. So they must be encouraged to maintain those levels and not down down to a you know average level which is mediocre and you see yeah. a lot of it in the emporia yeah. and things like that of yeah course. exactly um you know verana has enjoyed such enviable press it's been featured in the financial times in women's wear daily and so many international uh, you know magazines and publications and you're just you know a few years old how did you manage that? How did you swing that? I think we have a genuine story. We have a bit of a mission because, and we have a genuine story and I think we're authentic. And I think that people, there's so many brands which don't really, like I used to work in branding, remember? And I can't tell you how many brands there are which don't have a core essence of belief. It's like, it's like whatever is going to sell, you know, or whatever is trending today. Tomorrow it will be something different. Day after it will be something different. And if the, if the people change, then it becomes something different because it depends on who's there at the time. Yeah. Uh, so I feel that I think Varana st- is, there's a white space there, which we, uh, you know, there were, there's hardly anything that's, uh, you know, out of India. You don't see many brands that are out in the world from here, from this part of the world, using the kind of uh, textiles and techniques that we have. Because the West has copied a lot of prints, for example. So they go to various places. And this has happened for centuries. I mean, not centuries, but very long. Like many, many years, you'll see, uh, you know, mirror work and a a version of it done by, I've seen by by Alexander McQueen, or I've seen Diane von Forstenberg doing a version of Bandhani. But it's not real Bandhani. It's... Mm. It's, you know, uh, it looks like Bandhani, but it's printed. 
or you must have seen a lot of printed cuts for example yeah that yeah. you've seen so yeah. the world has been borrowing our patterns just the look of it yeah. but not in the making of it so it's but they don't know also that it's from india and this happens you see only i know it's from india you know because you know that's bandri when you see it also we have the, the british rule as and take all our textile traditions yes, and of you know, industrialize them right from yeah. chins paisley yeah uh, absolutely gingham which was our yes. dress checks yeah. you know uh, i yeah, it's a lot of this. our textiles the world's textiles they they rooted here actually and the yeah. east india company you know thrived on taking the beautiful things that we made here uh you know to to europe so yeah. that's the tradition we have and and i do think there's a place for us to gain that tradition again i mean like make things for the world i think the most important thing that i would stress here is the design because you do have if you don't have a high standard of design you can't make that transition like you can't design is the bridge that can connect this world to the new world you know which to the globalized world so you can't underestimate the importance of design in this whole story verana is comes with investors i mean it's rather unique for for a young label um you know to be born with this sort of leg up right from the start uh was it tough to convince people or was it easy for you because i mean i can understand the apparel industry but you know there are very few takers for a for a small boutique company yes yes i think that uh, i think we were fortunate that we we started and i had this idea and then i discussed it with ravi prasad my co-founder and we there's a whole lot of stuff in retail it has to you know the the whole organization has to exist it's not like you know that i i can just do it in my studio and make a few pieces we wanted to really build a brand you know to take out so so since we both have years of experience and this and is ravi prasad of himalay right yeah that's right <laughs> it's yeah. a big big it's, daddy to to partner with yes and also you know what we're doing with varana we're also doing with ayurveda namita yeah. and that isn't out even yet but we've been working on it for the last 3 4 years to to develop very special products so so when we started this it wasn't just that oh i want to make a fashion label you know it the idea is that we have this incredible stuff in india which uh, which we felt that we could make and deliver at a very high level in a contemporary way using contemporary formats for so that any person in the world can use an almora product or a varana product so that being the overall idea so it's ayurveda and textiles uh, where you know we have so much knowledge over centuries so we feel that there is and again we in both cases while there are many people doing a lot of things we felt that that making it absolutely modern and contemporary and in the case of almora like scientifically validated with clinical studies dermatologically approved and you know 100% natural i mean there's no we didn't see again that there were a lot of play, people in that space so because of that and because i think of our track record earlier uh we had a good team and we've hired very good people so because of that i think that we were able to get uh, we were you know able to get an investment to to make it a reality because you know we are not 22 year olds going and starting something and people were intrigued by the fact that after you know at 
this age, after having done a lot of work in one area, that I wanted to do something different. And so they were quite interested in knowing what that was going to be and then supporting it. So we have some very enlightened investors who understand what we're trying to do and who uh, have been very encouraging. And uh, without them, we wouldn't really have been able to open a shop in Mayfair and uh, do it at the, the level that we're doing it. So yeah, that's, that's been very fantastic. Good. Yeah. Can you can you throw some light on your e-commerce, which you la- launched last year, right in the middle of the pandemic, right? Um, was that tough to launch and how is that going? So, you know, the pandemic has changed uh, the, the nature of online retail completely because uh, for years it was slightly difficult to get luxury, uh, you know, people to buy the luxury garments online because it was... It's the whole experience of going to a store, which is beautiful, and then you, you know, you try on things, and yeah. you have yeah. a very nice experience all together in the store. And the internet is very flat, so it's like you know, it's however much you try to jollify your website, it's never going to be <laughs> that warmth that you get from personal human interaction. You know. You can't get that. But what happened in the pandemic is that people had to shop online or not at all. So everything went online and people became, it became like a habit that you're used to, you know, like now we live on, we're talking online, we're doing so many things online and which we never would have done earlier. You know, when I was in Reenkish, when I used to travel, I used to take at least a minimum of four flights a week, minimum of four. I, I used to go to Bombay once a week, Delhi once a week, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And I traveled nine hours to do a one-hour meeting. And now it's Zoom at the drop of a hat. I can talk to you in one hour's time. You know, it's so easy. And people have, and I've got used to it and everyone's got used to it. So the same for online shopping. I think it's it's leapfrogged to a level that and become people are much more comfortable with it than they would have been. Had there been no pandemic, you know, it would have taken much longer to reach the state that we are now. So they don't have to wait to come to London to, to buy yeah. something from you. I mean, if if, if I'm a repeat customer, I yeah. can just do it from anywhere in the world. True. So clearly that's opened up the yes. world to you as well. That right? is true. Yeah, that's but, true. But how has it worked for, you know, a gorgeous sort of like a traditional business model? like yours like how will you ensure because your you know the idea of a flagship is very emotional and yeah. experiential yeah but how do you ensure that Varana will survive and thrive well I think that for us you know we somehow held on to that store though it was really expensive to do because it's you know it's, it's a whole townhouse in May yeah so yeah. but somehow we managed to hold on to it because I think it's very important for us to for people to be able to, especially because they're not that familiar with our textiles and with, you know, our ways of but making. But you, you have very posh neighbors as well, right? Yes, exactly. Who is it? So we, uh, I mean, we have uh, Victoria Beckham and there was Jimmy Chu, Christian Louboutin. There's Paul Smith uh, just down the road from us. There's also, I mean, there's, it's, that whole street has got... Um, Dover Street Market used to be in Dover Street. Okay. And, you know, now they've relocated to Hay Market. But that street and that area in Mayfair, which is just a few streets, that's where every brand 
wants to be. Wants to be Any brand right? that's of a certain yeah. level yeah. wants to be there. And so we also made a very beautiful store, which so I would, I think it's very important for us. When people come into the store, they invariably say something about it. Always. They always comment on how beautiful it is. So it's... Um, so I think that helps to have at least one store like that, you know, yeah. to so, to yeah. set the tone for the brand and to where you can explain to people what you're doing. And yeah. if, if you're just going to be in racks in the department stores, then it's just hanging there. But people, that whole element of telling people about what we're doing, about the crafts, about making by hand, that is, it's very difficult to deliver the message. So that I think that's important for us to have a mix of bricks, brick and mortar and online. Yeah. Online for the reach, but brick and mortar for credibility and for telling the, narrative. the story. Absolutely. The narrative. Yeah. So I think we are looking at a now a hybrid model. Wonderful. Of, yeah. So what's next from Varana? Who else are we dressing? Where are we going? How's the next year going to shape up? Um, so, I mean, COVID willing, then... <laughs> I mean, everything has to start, you know, I have to qualify everything because there shouldn't be a fourth wave and a fifth wave and a sixth wave and so on. And the, you know, the things should work, the vaccines and all that. Fingers crossed. And if that's the case, then we would like to increase our footprint in the coming years. Uh, we'd like to maybe uh, take Varana to a few stores where there's a good fit for the brand, you know. If, Will uh, we see a Varana in India? I mean, the it's name is Indian. It's yes. another name for the for the Ganga. Am I right? Yeah, it's the Varuna and the Asi, the rivers that ah. uh, the confluence, confluence. Uh, and that so that that's how Varanasi got Varanasi, its name and Varana. Absolutely. Yeah, and so Varana got its name from there because I happened to be there when the whole uh, idea for the brand crystallized. So that's why it's called that, and that's why our logo is like a river. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah. So I think we have to. Uh, basically, we have to increase our footprint now. You know, we have to be, we've been very quiet the last few years. And we've just, and the reason for that is we've really, really hunkered down and worked on the product and made sure that it's uh, it, it's where it should be. And now we're happy with where it is. I'm happy with where it is. And I think that we're just going to have a launch. We're just stepping into a new thing. We've got uh, making a line of accessories. Okay. That's yeah, wonderful. so we've just done leather bags and leather goods. So that is something that can work online because there are no sizes and, you know, it's a easier introduction to a brand. Again, it's made in India? It's made, made in India. completely made in India and it's oh. exquisitely made. It's so complex, the weaves, and so beautifully done. And that's because we have those, uh, we have people who can do it. I mean, it's amazing how the skills they have again it's based on these basketry techniques of weaving you know and it's quite fine and complex so so let's see we're just going to launch it now in the fashion weeks in paris and milan uh, that is uh, in the next two weeks two three oh, that's weeks fantastic yeah so i'm very uh, i hope it people like it and then we'll be retailing it after that so Come that's to india. when are we going to see your store in india a store for yeah. varana yeah well, I'm, you know, I'm quite keen to come to India and to be here. So I, I would like to, I'm, I'm exploring it at the moment. I'm just trying to study and see how should we do it, like to have some sort of an India strategy. Because we had a capsule collection in a store in Bombay, La Mill. Yeah. And uh, so 
and we they want to continue and we are open to continuing to retail through them so i had uh, so that's something that we will probably continue but whether we have to figure out what we can do for this market and what whether it's something that people here will like and approve of you know you're being humble sujata people will love it i'm a big fan thank you so much for doing what you do it's such a such a special company it's such a special product and thank you for this wonderful conversation we need all the support we can get to be able to you know as you said to be able to thrive and to be able to grow and all those things so yeah so you already fantastic. have your number one cheerleader in me <laughs> thank you so much. that's sweet thank you thanks namrita all right thank you and see you soon see you soon. bye then If you enjoyed the show or not, write to me on Instagram, Twitter, or Clubhouse at Namrita Sitara. You can catch the video podcast on the Lifeline channel on YouTube. For updates on Tell Me How You Did It, follow us at HT Smartcast. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse. To listen to more podcasts, log on to htsmartcast.com or suno naye nazariye se. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.